Can you hear it? Can you feel it? Can you hear it? Can you feel it? Oh, I don't know what it is. It's me in my kitchen in the middle of the night recording a pod with a pot, a pan, and a, a, a some sort of kitchen utensil just banging on it, making some noise because I'm pumped because Adelaide United won an elimination final against Central Coast and we're going back Wednesday night to watch them batter Melbourne City. Melbourne City, we're coming for you, your dogs. We are coming. Welcome to the Night Shift Football Podcast, episode 66.1. I hope you're as pumped as I am. Tommy's on the other end of the line. I'm not sure he's as pumped as I am. He probably was on the weekend, but I'm I'm holding on to it. I'm going strong. This is going to be a strong week in terms of enthusiasm because you just got to try and maintain it. I'm slowly building. I'm slowly building. I'm not banging around pots and pans on a Monday night, but I'm building. I'll be ready. I'll have my entire Tupperware family at the game on Wednesday and I'll be hitting it. I'll be throwing it. I'll be putting shit in it. I'll be uh, just the works, man. I can't believe it. I can't believe we're, we're here. Get to your nearest Tupperware party Tuesday night and sell them out of their shit. (laughs) Yeah. They've got a use. Finally bring it down to high march and bang on them. Throw them. Yeah. If we lose, we can always throw them at referees and whoever else. I nearly said away fans. I don't want to condone these things. I'm happy no, to condone no. the referee thing, but <laughs> Sam, nor will there be any away fans. It's Melbourne City. It's a Wednesday night. They don't exist. Plastic club, nothing to play for. They yep, mean another nothing. CFG marketing tool. Yeah. Get yeah, out of here, you dogs. Piss off Melbourne Heart. I don't care about you. <laughs> All right. Should we jump into talking about this elimination final? Adelaide Central Coast. Oh, I tell you. Uh initial thoughts. Uh, we'll start with the lineup. Um no lucky bar in the squad. Mickey Jacobson had to start first time in for a while and went with Yengi and Ibasuki up top. Ibasuki dropping more into a bit of a 10 roll. What are your thoughts? It was, I was um, a little bit perplexed at the Jacobson selection. And then I was dutifully informed that Barr was out for some mysterious reason. That probably is a reason we just haven't looked. <laughs> we just don't yeah, look. He's always, when it happens, you just deal with it. You're like, oh, fuck, okay, it must be something random. Yako coming in, like we said, he's the only option because you would not bring in, oh, Ansel obviously broken. You would not bring in Trat for a game like this. No. You would not bring in Timotheu. No who way. Is, who is being uh, linked with a Melbourne victory move, actually. <laughs> which, which, imagine that. How great would that be? Yeah, see you later. In saying that, Popper would probably turn him into some kind of defensive dynamo, though. You can't be, can't be any worse than. Oh no, they got rid of Donahue, didn't they? They've got a pretty good back four. I don't know. Just carry on with one train of thought, please. Sorry, my bad. Uh, so Yako steps in, uh, performs brilliantly. I thought, I mean, for a guy that hasn't played consecutive games this season in such a long time, um, and for the amount that we have chopped and changed our back four this season, just when we think you've got it a little bit settled, and then you get the unexplained. <laughs> reason for Bar's absence. You know, Yako, you know he's a quality player, number one. Number two, he's a leader. He definitely is a much more assured partner with Popovich. Um, you could just see it in the interactions they were having. If Popovich made a mistake, very yep. quickly, Yako's over there, arm around the shoulder, tap on the ass, like head in the game, son. Come on, this is a big one. So that that was great. And it was just really good to see his, you know, uh, his experienced presence out there. And I think it went a long way to keeping the goals down to the, the one that we did concede. Um, on the flip side, Yangi starts. Yangi, who 
Look, I don't know. Did we tee off on him a little bit early last week? No, uh, we said if. We, we caveated <laughs> everything if. with a big if. If he goes, then he's a duck. <laughs> but he hasn't gone. We don't know yet. So if he stays, obviously we love him. We want him to stay because we love him. But yeah, if you do he's... go, though, I'll tell you what. Oh, I tell you what, you don't want to come back. You've got to go overseas, Yankee. He played with such an energy and enthusiasm that I did not expect from a guy that had been off for two to three months. Only his second game back. It's such huge trust Carl puts into this guy to say, here you go, you've got the number nine now. You are still the main man. As soon as you come back from injury, you're playing games. We want you in the big occasions. And he, despite being rusty, and he does still have those characteristics of a young footballer that doesn't, he's not as team oriented as I would prefer, given some of the guys around him, like Goodwin and his ideas. And, you know, one day they're doing, they are doing team things all the time. And we would click so much better if everyone was on that same page. But then you get, you know, the kind of uh, the versatility of his forward play. Because with Ibu playing the number 10, it, you know, for me, I would switch it. I would have it. Yankee playing the number 10 because you just think he's a little bit more active, a little bit more mobile. You know, I, I would, I think he would offer more dropping deep to receive the ball and trying to give it and then running in behind the play and having Ibasuki constantly standing up top. I don't know what you think. Nah, I'm the opposite. Okay. The opposite, I think. Because um, <laughs> in that 10 role there, you're not necessarily always wanting the most mobile guy in the world. You want someone that can hold the ball at times. Um, if it's going to bring the striker into the game, you can have. You can have the 10 be a more hold-up guy rather than your striker. Um, and Ibasuki, we've seen, has slotted into that a few times this year. And I think he's looked great in there. His touch is excellent. He links up so, like you said before about Yengi's link up with other team players. I think Ibasuki definitely does link up with everyone very well. He links up with Izzy well. He has a great understanding of his positioning when we don't have the ball. And he's always, yeah. you can always... You can hear him at the top of Highmarsh yelling demands at players on where to be, constantly instructing Yengi on where to be to shield. And, um, yeah, so I'd rather have him there as it was and uh, let Yengi just on the shoulder of the last man running loose, running right up there, annoying defenders. Yep. Finding spaces in between the centre-backs yeah. like we saw for the goal. Uh, yeah, it's just, it, it, it's Carl Veard again, making the right tactical choices from the get-go. And like you look at the starting 11 and you just see these really perfect partnerships between players, like you described with Yangi and Ibu. I think Kiddo and Goodwin's uh, attacking link up on the left-hand side is so great to watch. They're really, really flourishing together the last, you know, two months, three months. And I feel like personally, Kiddo's taking a lot of responsibility off of Craig's shoulders. I think, did we get into this a little bit last week? Kiddo's freeing him up. He's freeing him up a little bit more in the sense that Goodwin is going to be targeted. And we did see that early on in this game, pretty much throughout the entirety of the game. Goodwin was targeted physically, poor challenges, good challenges, the works. Yep. Uh, but Kiddo does allow a little bit more freedom down the left-hand side. You need, it's something that Josh Cavallo just doesn't offer us, unfortunately. And something that Noah Smith probably wasn't going to be able to provide this season. So the, the real is, story, yeah. But I was just going to say, this is where a player like Kiddo is handy because he's got the engine and the stamina to just be bobbing up and down all day long. You know, he might not be the best, most skilled footballer all the time, but he can, he does have that engine and that, yeah, like you said, it's, I think it's helped Craig because it's allowed, there's sometimes he's making those inverted runs where he comes inside. 
Mm. Craig's hooking it through with his wrong foot perfectly, and Kiddo runs onto it. That's how we set up the goal last week. Kiddo was get got the was the one that got in behind and squared one up. Uh, was it last week or the week before against Brisbane? I can't remember. That's all blown into one. We've had so many home games on Sundays recently. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. But yeah, they just he has been good. Uh, been a fan, um, and it, it, it almost worked. It almost worked like that in the first minute. I think we got him behind down the left-hand side where Kiddo inverted run again inside Goodwin, little inside pass. Um, yeah. Kiddo had a good chance to square it back. There was, a, you know, there was a bit of that throughout the game. I think Lopez and Brook are still forming a good partnership themselves. I think so um, too. Yeah. If only Lockie Brook could get that goal. He just needs that one goal. And didn't he have such a great opportunity at nil-nil? What was it about yeah. the fifth to tenth minute, somewhere in that bracket? Another cutback, it was either Kiddo or Goodwin from the left-hand side, and he spurned it a little bit. Uh, but he's definitely not shy in going forward, taking shots, Lockie Brook. No, and I like that. I like the positivity. He looks to. He often looks to just take on the fullback the first few times as well. There's nothing wrong with it. So, like, you lose the ball and the stadium groans, but that's that's football. You have Your winger has to try and take the fullback on sometimes. Exactly. You exactly. have to. You can't just, if they know you're going to stop, prop, pass it back to your fullback. It's just it's so easy for them to defend against. If they're unsure if you're going to pass it back or if they're going to try and take you on, Lucky Brook seems to keep defenders guessing. And more often than not, he does get past his opponent. So mm. I'm happy for him to keep doing it. I enjoy it. Uh, it's exciting to watch. I just, Definitely. yeah, I feel like once he gets that goal, he could just open the gates. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, that's, it's funny because that's maybe our only criticism of Craig Goodwin is that sometimes he'll, well, not maybe more often than not, he'll receive the ball on the left and immediately cut inside and look to play it backwards. And that's the opposite of what we get from Brooke. And that's, it's a really good balance to have between your two wingers. If you need to spread the play and have a guy run at a fullback one-on-one to allow the rest of the team to step up, organize again, you know, cause that's, that's the kind of thing that you discount. Even if Brooke gets past one, doesn't complete the cross or, you know, gets past one or gets into a tussle on the left hand, um, you know, deep into the um, defensive half of the Mariners or anyone that were playing, it allows everyone else to compose and to bring themselves back together. And, you know, we, I think we, we saw that a little bit in this game was our players in wide positions kind of running the clock down in a sense, but it was just allowing the rest the, the back six essentially with one day and easy playing quite deep this game Um to just to compose themselves, realign, organize. Um, you called it before the game. You said one of the um, one of the DMs, one day or Izzy was going to screen, come dog throughout, and did not, uh, didn't Isaias completely mark this man out of the game without even really standing anywhere near him? <laughs> yeah, I think it's well, it seemed to be a kind of a, depending on the side of the get the side of the ground the ball came. One day and Izzy seemed to have worked it out amongst themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they just just screening him off, giving him nothing. I thought Izzy was excellent, and his leadership, especially in that second half at two one, or even at one nil, still when the game was tight, uh, his composure on the ball, even in like that, you know, just on the edge of that defensive third, uh, just to stay on the ball, composed, and then just when we didn't have the ball, him just hassling guys and winning it back. Excellent, yeah. absolute excellent. menace. He was at his provocative best. Yeah, it, that was Izzy's best performance of this season, and it did wind back the clock. Isn't he? Just, he's such a big game player, and you, from the moment that he controlled the ball and dished one out wide from a really tight inside position, it was like the second minute. You just knew he was there to play. He was ready. 
composed, like you said, experienced, a leader, a guy that's won titles with this club before. This In this moment, this Isaiah signing could probably be the biggest signing of the season because you think this is exactly the kind of guy that we need to get us through the Melbourne City game and the Mariners game, apparently. There were some good stats from Izzy on the weekend. Uh, 90% passing accuracy, eight duels won, one assist, five tackles, two interceptions. Yeah. Absolutely. Back to his best. Phenomenal was, performance. I can recall a few. There was a few first half. Um, I recall a few first half passes where he looked for someone and completely mishit it and missed the target. And I thought, oh, is he going to have one of these days? But he still finishes with a 90% completion. Um, yeah. Brilliant. Um, yeah. And a lot of them were forward passes. Like, yeah. He was, he was the man on the weekend. He was the man. We are... I'm going to recycle some material here, no doubt, but I can't help it because a goal and an assist for the main man, Craig Goodwin, where I don't know where, I don't know where to go with talking about him anymore, but you just, I I think I do know actually. And I'm going to say, you just can't understate how important he has been to this club already. I think he's definitely already positioned himself amongst your Isaias, your Travis Dodds, uh, those guys as in the top, the very top few percentage of players that are just, you know, that mean so much to the club. They, He is, if Mark Noble is Mr. West Ham, Craig Goodwin is Mr. Adelaide United. Like this is your boy, the one who has gone overseas, tried it, experienced the footballing world and then made the really... I think it was a really mature, clever decision to return back to an environment that he likes, return back to a club that he knows, and it is getting the best football out of him. And he's in his prime because he's 30 years old now, and you're seeing the result of his entire career. This is the culmination for Craig Goodwin, I think, right now. And there would be nothing more sweeter than to see a Craig Goodwin-led Adelaide United take out this whole shit, man. And I think you would... Just like just seeing him after the game on the field with his young daughter and you know his fiance in the stands. He's obviously after he scores, he's pointing at her and giving her the big ones. Like this is this is the guy that encompasses everything about Adelaide United. And it was classic. Oh, it's, after he scored the goal, you turned to me and you're like, yeah, Craig Goodwin's quite good, isn't he? I was like, yes, Craig Goodwin yeah. is quite good. He's pretty good. He's so he's so good that he has been like rocket launched into Johnny Warren favoritism. Have yeah, you, all all of the media now seem pretty much convinced that this guy's going to win it. Which it's a bit late. It's a it? bit late. It's a bit and late obviously, for he's the not getting He's not going to get any points for this finals game. But you know, ten goals this season, eight assists. Like you said, where have Olympian. they been all year? Like where, where have they it, been watching? Exactly. They just what have they been talking about in this? Oh, Ben Falami this and Jake Brimmer that and I'll get the chip uh, on my shoulder Melbourne out City. now. But I'll get the Here chip on my shoulder out because. Yeah, East Coast bias at it again. We don't hear shit about him in the football media here, except for in Adelaide, um, until we reach this point of the season. And then what do you know? We reach this point of the season and everyone again goes, oh, shit, we should actually probably start taking notice of Adelaide United a bit and how mm. good some of their players are. Mm. And everyone's saying, oh, that, that Craig Goodwin, is he's, he's quite proficient, isn't he? He's a decent footballer. He looks to me now like a walk-up soccer route. Like you just you cannot play these playoffs without him. When you think of months. some of the other players that are getting gigs in that side, he has to be. 
Well, for sure. Oh my god, for sure. There's not. There's no. You know, I I'd, play my right, two... I'd play him a right back over Ryan Grant. Yeah, fuck, fuck both. I would every day of the week, man. <laughs> <laughs> His right foot's quite good, and you know, there was one fucking amazing challenge he made sliding in on the wing that totally broke up a really dangerous Central Coast Mariners attack, and it made me think. God, he'd be a great left back. <laughs> just... That is how he started. I think he could play a still a good level at left back. In he could play in Germany or in England, like as a left back at a really good level. But he's obviously enjoying himself here. He likes to score some goals. Yeah, his um, his finish was just so composed, and the read of the game, and just it, it's the gamble because obviously Popovich has mishit the pass, and he's. Literally, yep. yeah, just totally 100% banking on the defender making the error. But do you think maybe he read that the spin of the ball was going to throw him off a little bit? Because he ran from very deep to still pressure the defender in this situation. Uh, nah, I don't think so. I think you can just tell off the boot that it's one of those ones the defender is not 100% that he's making it there. Um, and yeah, he does fuck it up. I don't know. If watching from the stands, it, it looked off the boot like this could turn out to be a dangerous ball here you know so yeah that was, if you don't that was chase a story. it you don't know that's exactly right that was a story in most of the game where a lot of the most dangerous attacks were long balls over the top the directness of the mariners really caught us out at times um there was a couple of couple of moments uh the come dog disallowed goal obviously at one nil which looked well, was it one nil or two nil I can't remember now. It was the disallowed, one nil up when they were one nil up. That, yeah. The disallowed come dog goal, uh, which I thought was onside from the stands. I was very nervous when the referee and the assistant. Yeah, raised his same. I, I still yeah. thought he was going to be given onside for the goal. It was um, well off in the end, actually. He was well off. Yeah, yeah. We we must have been a little bit um, slanty, slanty <laughs> in the views, perhaps. No, <laughs> never. That's not us. Um, but yeah, thankfully that was adjudicated to be offside because that would have definitely changed the game. And we did look nervous at 2-1 as well. Uh, only a little bit. I think, uh, you know, teams, both teams always have their moments in games. So Central Coast were always going to have, you know, a period of the game where they looked like they were on top. Uh, it came in that second half towards the end. But we saw it off as we did the week before against West United, as we did the week before against Brisbane, as we did before that against Perth. We've just gradually gotten stronger. We're defending leads now. We're seeing teams off. Um, and then, yeah, we bounce down the other end and we get ourselves a good rigged or shit nomination for Mark hey. Birigidi. Bernardo scores the third goal. Uh, Birigidi's effort, rigged or shit? Oh, definitely rigged. Uh, he's just given back to his to the club that gave him the start that he so richly deserved. Thanks, Bira. It that was it was a fucking bizarre watch in the stands because how does it wrong foot him? It doesn't really take that big a deflection, if at all. It, it doesn't take any. He's just moved there. It, it, that's what I mean. I can't understand why he's shifted right ever so slightly and then not even. I don't know. But, I think you know, he... he's so he's so far right in the goal though. Yeah, I think he's mentally just uh, checked out at that point. He's just had Has a, he lost, he's he's lost had his a moment. He's had a moment. Uh, you know, it all happens in like a split second. And, uh, you know, you know, your brain does funny things and he's been caught out there. 
It does. So it's probably shit more than rigged, right? Because obviously he gets nothing out of... Apparently he was in tears post-game um, when he went over to the Mariners fans. So that probably sums up whether or not oh, he's rigged or shit. He's been uh, wearing the armband, hasn't he? And um, yeah. I believe so. He's a... Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Big fan of Birigidi still. He's, you know... How can we forget him goalkeeping for us in a Champions League final at 17? <laughs> yeah, so exactly. That's, that's, pr- that's a pretty big deal. Just a, He's a great goalkeeper. Just another na- another name on the the long prestigious list of Adelaide United goalkeepers. Yeah, that have been produced and then punted out somewhere else so that they yeah. can enjoy enjoy a fruitful career. No, good on him. I don't like. There's no ill will to Beerus. Yeah. Um, if we, while we're talking about the Mariners, I thought they're they're 16 in the middle of the park. Ballard, he was great, and I haven't seen a lot of him play this season. But I thought he was bloody Neither. great. And yeah. Yeah, I thought he had a decent game because I remember mentioning to you at the start because I don't, you know, I've seen we barely tried. any Mariners for a while. Um, but I, I'm a big Oli Bozanich fan and had no idea where he was. I don't I don't follow them enough to worry about the ins and outs of their team until I rock up and see them on the day. And I saw that there was no Bozanich. He might not even be at their club. I don't know. But this Ballard guy was there instead and he was, uh, yeah, he was good. He was really good. He set up the only goal for the Mariners, I believe. And again, just another one that was really direct through the guts, caused Izzy and one day lots of headaches. Um, obviously not so much that we didn't come away with a victory. Um, you know, probably the most disappointing guy that I saw for the Mariners was maybe Urania, who so comprehensively has cut teams apart. And I think he's, didn't he score a hat-trick against us in the earlier in the season? Or he scored twice or something? I'm uh, not sure. He's played well against us previously, and I've seen him play well against other teams. And he was the guy that let me down the most, I think. And if he was on song, and I think he had come dog and Ballard, Ballard in the form that he was in, you probably would have seen a more dangerous Mariners side. Um, but all, all kudos, all credit goes to that one day easy pivot. The thing that we have lamented so much this season. Yeah, I think there was a there was a time in the second half where you you commented. Um, you, lo- you like to see us play on the counter-attack and you like to see us play in transition moments like that. And having those two play DM is exactly the reason that we can so freely play a, a counter-attacking team, uh, a counter-attacking yeah. style. Especially yeah, at would- home, do you think, is there, any, is there any onus on us to do more if we're the home team or did we just set this up perfectly? No, no. So what I mean is like, we don't, I don't want to see us sit back and defend and then hit mm. on the counter. I just, when we do get in situations where we do have to defend, I kind of look at it as like, oh, well, we do actually look, we're really dangerous when we counter anyway. Mm-hmm. So I don't mind this. And the more the more sound we've looked defensively as the season's gone, the more confident I feel in that, you know, where you're confident at both ends of the park. So you're not really too worried. And you're like, oh, if we have to defend for five minutes and hit on the counter, we can, and we can look dangerous. Because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. the tr- But we also have, a trend for a lot of this year, especially at home, is how well we keep the ball. And I love watching that too, where we've just got the other team pegged in. We did it against Brisbane for a good 70 minutes, I thought, where we just had them in their own half defending and we just kept the ball. Our defenders are on the halfway line and we're creating chance after chance and then it's coming out and then we've got the ball again. As soon as we lose it, we're hunting and winning it back. So, yeah, there's... yeah. Uh, no, I agree. And I think it's a really good indication of what we can do on Wednesday night against City because they're definitely going to have the majority of the ball. But if we are defensively sound and if Yako pulls up and he's totally 100% fit to play, 
and we start with this lineup again, which I can't see why we wouldn't, I think we're in with a really good shout of taking a two-goal lead to Melbourne on Sunday. Two-goal lead. I th- it's going to have to be two-goal if we're going to go through, personally. I don't know if it is. You reckon we can draw? No, nah, I, I just think... I don't, I'm not sure how big a home ground advantage City kind of make of it over there. They seem to me the sort of side that don't really play differently home or away. They, maybe they do. Maybe the stats show that. I'm just going off the vibe, I feel. <laughs> but I think... Was all about vibes there. You know, we won that earlier this year. I think we're playing much better than we were then. Mm. You know, if we were to only get a draw Wednesday night, I wouldn't be too upset. You think we could still go there and get a result? I still think it just comes down to the one-off game again. If we get a draw Wednesday night against Melbourne City, we go there on the weekend looking for a one-off result again. Yeah, you know, so So you'd be pleased with the draw, okay? You know, and I don't, I don't mind it. Yeah, I st- yeah, I still think we're the side that doesn't have a whole lot to lose here. Of course. We of haven't course, had yeah. a great season. We got lucky for a lot of games. We've timed our run well. We're starting to really gel and play some good football and look sound defensively. And we're just timing our run. I still think, you know, there's probably better sides than us, but we're just in that vein of form at the moment where we look untouchable. Um, City are going to be a huge test though but I think they're a test that we can take maybe not in the first leg but over the course of two legs you know I take a lot of um, optimism out of the fact they haven't beaten us this season Um, has taken some crazy last minute goals or you know just incredible comebacks and stuff like that but like you said these are one-off games this is that scenario where Adelaide United can pull through clutch, score a late goal, get an equaliser, draw at home, like you said, go away there and just have 90 minutes of our lives and try and try and manoeuvre our way into, a, into a, a final, which is no doubt setting up to be. I mean, the media, the, the internet saying today it's, it's a Melbourne Derby final. It's going to be a Victory City final. But I think we're going to see an original rivalry final here. Adelaide yeah. United, Melbourne Victory. Oh, boy. Oh boy, oh boy. I have uh, I have no idea. I don't want to pick either way. I, I don't have a clue. I think Melbourne Victory go through against West United. They've looked not great. They Wellington were unlucky not to get something out of the game against them on the weekend. Um, and they got no fans. They're a shit club. They're pointless. I don't care. I'd rather Victory win, to be honest. I'd rather Victory go through the final than Western United. Every clown on the in the world calling them Western now as well. What is what that? What the hell man? is that Even shit? S- even Simon Hill, and he's just like, what the fuck Western. is Western? Here come Western on the attack. Who, what? They're playing the East Coast. I'm sick of hearing it. <laughs> Fold their club. They're pointless. You see, they're getting, they're the next, uh, the new women's team coming in is going to be Western United as well. So yeah. they don't have a club, but they've got all these teams now. Like, they don't even have a home ground. What a pointless venture this is. Fold them. I can't believe that game was on a Saturday night. On Channel 10, advertising the game on free to air. Right, it could have been Adelaide with that atmosphere at High Marsh. No, we had to have the game that was in Melbourne for a club that's not even from Melbourne, but pretends they are. And on top of it, they win the game and they go through to the semi, and everyone talks about how it's a 
a Melbourne Derby semi-final between Western United and Melbourne Victory. Yeah. It's not a Melbourne Derby semi-final. They're not from fucking Melbourne. They've been playing in Geelong most of the time, in Ballarat or Taree or wherever the hell. And now they're only Wyndham. playing. In, they're playing in Melbourne because they don't have a stadium. They're not from Melbourne. What a bunch of shit. Fold and piss off. Anyway, uh, put a bow on that. That's brilliant. That's, that's so good. The, while we're on, okay. While we're ranting, while we're on controversial moments. The most controversial moment of the Adelaide Mariners game didn't actually, it partly happened on the field, but didn't actually really happen on the field. Lewis Miller goes down. He's injured. Um, the, the referees are alerted that the Mariners want to make a sub while he's off the field. Paramount find out about this. They cut to an ad break. Yeah. The on-field fourth official then rules, no, no, we can't make the change now. You have to wait. In that 40-second period, yeah. Craig Goodwin picks up the ball on the left in the vacant space that Miller would have been marking him, obviously, all the time in the world. Lines up Yangi, goal. Footage, uh, broadcast comes back. It's Yangi celebrating. How the fuck in this day and age are we still missing goals because of broadcast? I know. How? They are. How, man? How? This is insane. Everyone would have seen their tweet from 10 Football and we shared it as well. Them saying, due to human error, you know, I I accept that there are human error in things, but the error to begin with is playing ads during a fucking football game. Thank you. It's not Thank that you. you went to an ad break, like, and that you got the timing wrong. It's the fact that you have ads in the first place. Don't play ads no. during the football game. No, point no ads during broadcast. No. Especially if you're on Paramount and you're already paying for Paramount. To be fair, the Paramount coverage doesn't cut for ads. It is just the free-to-air coverage. But I've, I feel like in this, this is our biggest marketable product is the finals. Or this is the one that they bill it up to be. And so if you're going to have a finals game, fucking give it the justice it deserves. Like... Take the hit, take the advertising hit for fucking 45 minutes. Who cares, man? Yeah. How much money are you seriously making off of that ad placement anyway? Yeah. Not as much money as you would make potentially seeing Yankee score a goal. That's what I'm feeling. Yeah. I, I saw someone yesterday say Paramount were on ad break. So they got that wrong. It was just Channel 10 were on ad, not Paramount. I didn't think Paramount had ads. Didn't make sense. No. No. If you watch Paramount Plus, you don't get the ads. Yeah. Um, but still, fuck Paramount. Yeah, I nonetheless, no, I, mean, no. I, I think can we I can that? because I think you can. And I think we can, because when you look at the times of the kickoffs in the coming games for the A-League finals, it is a huge fuck Paramount. What are they doing with the scheduling and the times of these well, games? Is it, bro? is it Paramount doing the scheduling? Well, it's them in conjunction with Channel 10, surely, because the APL would not in any right mind put the Melbourne City Adelaide second leg on the Sunday at 2.05 Eastern, 1.35 Adelaide. What What the yeah. hell is that? When uh, at a time when all local sport and That's soccer it. has gone back um, and we've got it. back, we've got, a fr- we've got Friday nights free. Um, Allergic to Fridays. Why will they not? No games on, on Friday, Friday night. night. And then Adelaide's first leg against Melbourne City is at 6.35 Adelaide time. Very difficult for working people to get along to that, especially if you got to work, get home, get your family, take them in to see the game. Very tough um, to get there for kickoff. 
What's wrong with it being 7, 7.30 our time? So what if it kicks off at 8 in the Eastern States? So what? And then we've got... Because the the game... Is it Thursday night or tomorrow night? Tuesday, Tuesday night or Thursday night? The Western United Melbourne victory game. Yeah, Tuesday night. Is a 7 o'clock Melbourne time. You know, so what... Why can't it be a 7 o'clock kickoff in Adelaide for our game? I don't exactly. understand... And then you go to the second leg. You, you mentioned the time for our second leg, but the Melbourne Victory West United second leg is at 5.15 Melbourne time on a Saturday. Couldn't it be a Saturday night? What, what's this Saturday twilight thing when people are on having dinner and stuff like that? How are we meant to sell this game to people and show it? This it's is, on yeah. free to air on Channel 10. How, when it, who, who the hell is going to be watching that in that time slot? Not, not a soul. And you think... Why are they doing it? Okay, there may be two reasons. One, they don't want to fuck with the AFL on a Saturday night in Melbourne. Okay, understand. I get that. But, you know, like we were discussing pre-pod, this is it. This is, this is our greatest exposition of the product. So you have to take it and compete. You if this to. is as good as it gets in the A-League, you have to throw the shit against the wall and make sure that people are viewing it over the AFL. This is what it all culminates to. You work all season to beat the AFL while we are in our final series and they're in game 10 or whatever it is, round 10. Um, but, you know, secondary, it's also election day. And I just, I wonder if they've got pre-planned coverage of the election that's kind of pushed our games earlier. That's what makes me think that Paramount and 10 have had a little bit too much say on this in, in scheduling this game at that time. Because it, it makes no sense why you would put a game on at 5.15, 4.45 in Adelaide. Like, why would you do that? Yeah, I don't know. Happy to leave it there. Um, once again, more ranting about Paramount and 10 and fixtures what? and the way the leagues run. Yeah, but that's the thing. It hasn't fixed all season. All season, it's been bad. And we're, it's, it's yeah, still bad. Well, we're just going to have to wait and see what it's like for next season. I'm sure, like... People have made the comment, we've made the comment ourselves that obviously there was, we've had to squeeze lots of extra games in to catch up to COVID and things, mm. but that doesn't excuse the timing. Like, I and I don't have a problem with midweek football. I'm all for midweek football. Same, more of it, It doesn't, doesn't need I to like kick it. off at five and six o'clock in the afternoon. No. Um, it, should, have, it should be 7.15 at late time kickoff. <laughs> do you have anything else you want to add? Today before well, while, we we're, while we're talking about next season, uh, a key pillar in the league's short-term strategy to emerge from, you know, the 2021-22 campaign, which has not been the best. And, you know, maybe objectively, you could almost say it's been the worst A-League campaign. It's hard to say in terms of waning crowds. Uh, no team has averaged more than 10,000 fans this season attending. Uh, you know, ratings on television isn't great. I think only 35,000 people watched the Woo game on the weekend. Many reasons for that. The Western game. Yeah, the Western game, sorry. Um, so the APL has announced midweek uh, its managing director, Danny Townsend, who is also on the Sydney FC board. Let's no one ever forget that fact. Uh, is revealed that a list of 35 potential world-class signings have been earmarked by the league as potential sugar hits. That is quoted, sugar hits. That's what they're talking about now for what is hoped will be a reinvigorating 2022-23 season. Are marquees the answer to the waning interest in the A-League exam? No. No. Fuck no. They're not. Of course they're not. 
you know what they do? They bring people in for that player. And then when that player goes, they go. Yep. Like this article says, what a better way to drum up immediate curiosity than borrowing someone else's fame. And that is all a marquee signing is doing. It's putting, it's trying to put bums on seats of casual fans that only know a certain amount of names as reported by the nightly news from England or well, just England because the nightly news mainstream news doesn't report on Germany or Spain or Italy or France. We're lucky to get a Scottish coverage at the moment. That's only because of the edge. Yeah. Um, I think we've said this before, but the, it's not even so much the marquee player aside from Del Piero. It's not the marquee player itself that brings people out. It's when the marquee player is helping their team win. In the end, it comes down to teams winning. When teams are winning, they get better crowds. That's just how it is in Australia. Um, Of course. You know, we are seeing a winning nation. You know, because you you couldn't say that Diamante has helped West United get bigger crowds. Could you? You couldn't. No, not at all. um, What helps is when you're winning games. Adelaide. When we won the championship, Adelaide's always had generally pretty good crowds, uh, like on average, considering. Um, like the year we won the championship, it's because we didn't have anyone in that team that people knew or had heard of from overseas that were like, you know, world beaters. But we put together a team that was winning and playing good football, and that got people to come and watch because people were watching good football, going out and telling everyone how much they enjoyed watching the good football. So then more people came along to watch the good football. Is it that fucking hard to get through your heads? No. It's so simple, here's, isn't it? It's- here's a list of marquee players that might make the A-League look good. What the hell? Why is the- literally it's a marketing, it's a marketing aspect, man. Why is the league scouting players? That's, isn't that an interesting concept is that the APL is going to sit down individually with different clubs and say, this is a list of players that we think we can help you finance to bring to your club. Which ones do you want? It's so bizarre. And you're thinking, it's such a weird way of running oh, the game. Bro. It, it's, like, uh, it's like a reverse draft, but it's like an imagine, international draft. Imagine like the, the FA sat down with the Premier League clubs and were like, all right, I reckon you can get so-and-so from PSG. I reckon we can get him here, but which club should we help buy him? Like, yeah, it's just completely bizarre to me. I don't, it's, I, I say I don't get it. I do get it, but I just think they're stupid. Um, that's just Australian football. It's a weird, weird world. It's a bit of a meme to everyone, um, everyone in Australia, but that's only because no one overseas knows it. Um, otherwise it would be a meme to them as well. <laughs> <laughs> this is as peak A-League as it gets. And I love in the in the supporting document, they've cited um, Daniel Surridge joining Perth. And they said, Perth Glory attracted 18,000 people to its first home game after signing him. Uh, I think we're in a position now as a league that we've got the foundations in place to take advantage of a sugar hit. Perth finished dead bottom. Daniel Sturridge barely played any football this season and is at the point now where he's not even attending the end of season Perth Glory Awards. He's gone. He's in America. He's fucked off. And you're seriously trying to tell me that is a good idea for a yeah. football club's longevity. It is. It's brain dead. Great and sugar we are, hit. We're back in the exact same. Fuck. It's like what you said. What you described are our vegetables. We need to eat our vegetables instead of constantly having a pack of lollies every night. And fucking burn <laughs> ourselves out till we go to bed. It's insane. 
Ah, uh, what a joke league. But it's our league and we do love it. We love <laughs> we love the A-League. We love Adelaide United. We're going to get around them again. Wednesday night, get down to High Marsh. Make some noise Please. if you've listened to this by then. If you if you haven't listened to this and you listen to it after the game and we've lost, uh, I blame you, all right? I'm blaming you, You're the listener, problem. who hasn't listened until after Wednesday. All right? You're the problem. Go out and find <laughs> us a sugar here, all right? We recorded this early just so you could get excited about the game. Yeah. Come on. We'll leave it there. If we can squeeze in a pod between leg one and leg, leg t- two, we will. But we're busy, folks, so we'll see how we go. Yeah. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Keep getting around us on the socials. Uh, enjoy. Go the Reds. Come on, come on Craig. <laughs>